0: Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I are, uh, are here to talk Vancouver Canucks as we started the last show actually uh, talking about the Canucks. We figured that uh, that this was going to happen and here we are about a week later and Bruce Boudreaux is officially let go of the, by the Vancouver Canucks and Rick Tockett hired as their head coach. And Justin, I just want to jump right into it. I don't even want to hear about how you're doing. I just want to hear about what you think about Rick Tockett becoming the coach giant, of the Canucks.
1: Giant, fuck you. Yeah, fuck giant middle trick. finger
0: to you. I <laughs> could care less about your life. And, uh, you know, no, I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. love to hear about your life. Um, but that's what we did before the show. And, you know, I, I know the listeners, we will hear your raccoon story at some point on the show (laughs) for sure. We, we need to hear your raccoon story, but uh, your thoughts on Rick Tockett.
1: Yeah. um, And the mercy fire. Well, so that's, yeah, that's the general consensus, right? It's a mercy fire. Um, I mean, listen, Bruce Boudreaux was known for a week. He was going to get canned. I think, you know, no one uh, came. I mean, this came as a shock to no one, right. That uh, they were replacing him with Rick Tockett. And of course, Sergei Gonchar comes in and just, uh, you know, Adam foot too. Um, so it's like all the
0: penguin guys getting back together here.
1: (laughs) Basically. Right. A, A lot of changes behind the bench. And, uh, so yeah, he, Rick Tockett comes in and my, my big concern is, you know, um, is, you know, when, when I heard about Rick Tockett being the guy, um, my concern was, is this an upgrade? Right. Um, part of me, Wants to say yes because listen, I, I look at his his last head coaching job and he was with the Arizona Coyotes and he managed to put up respectable numbers. I mean, you know, he outside of his you know first and last seasons, so those middle two, he he managed to put above five hundred seasons together. With, in my opinion, what is a um, a dumpster you know, below fire average team? Yeah, yeah, a <laughs> below average team. So you got to tip the cap to him on that one. But at the same time, you know, looking back at his his head coaching tenure with you know, Tampa Bay lightning and his first and last years with Arizona, it just wasn't the same. And so, um, you know, again, he's only made the playoffs once in his career lost in the first round to Colorado in in 1920. So, um, which again, this is a, you know, Arizona team that really had no right being in the playoffs in my mind. I think they were just kind of dragged along by, um, you know, goaltending there, but as they often are. And so, you know, um,
0: that, know, was again, I, that was the bubble. That was the bubble. that Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So again, ex- expanded playoffs, which was, you know, but again, they, they still managed to finish fifth in the Pacific because of, you know, I, I mean, goaltending, right. You know, you had Darcy Kemper there and, um, putting up some beautiful numbers, but again, is, is Rick Tockett the answer? Is he going to be that much better than Boost Boudreau? And, you know, at, at first glance, I'm going to say no. Right. I, I've always been a fan of Boost Boudreau's. I think he is a, a good coach. Uh, maybe not a great coach, but he's a good coach. Um, and so for me, you know, I, I think obviously where the changes need to occur is, uh, on this roster. And so, um, we're, we're going to see some changes here. Jim Rutherford has obviously come out and made it abundantly clear that he is open for business. So, you know, again, we'll see what kind of team Rick Tockett has to work with, because to me, this year is a throwaway no matter where he finishes in the standings. So, you know, to me, it's going to be beginning next year. What kind of team does he have? How many pieces, you know, who's gone, who's still there. And of course, you know, getting a full training camp, a full season with this team and see what he does. And then I can tell you, you know, honestly, is he a better coach, you know, for the Canucks really is going to be the question.
0: Yeah. And I tend to lean the other way. I think that uh, when you consider Travis Green, you know, before him and, and then Bruce Boudreau, essentially, I'll go ahead and call Bruce Boudreau kind of a uh, he wasn't an interim coach. That might not be the right word. Band-aid coach but that yeah kind of that like well we'll bring him in here and i don't think they had any any intention to keep him beyond last year and then they did so well with him in there that it almost was like well it would just kind of be stupid to not see what we have here and yeah you know, another season comes and obviously this it's it's sort of a repeat of what we saw at the beginning of last year was this team that just is underperforming and uh, there needed to be a change. This this time, I think was a much different from Travis Green, where a lot of guys just didn't like Travis Green. Uh, this time around, I mean, guys like Bruce Boudreaux, the fans like Bruce Boudreaux. He was getting a lot of love from the fans the other night, uh, the night before he got fired. And I I think when you look at his style of coaching, which is very lax, very very open offensively, which is great. It's really fun to watch. I mean, let's be honest. Vancouver has been if, if they're not the most exciting team to watch this year just because there's like they could blow a lead at any point they can also come back down a little bit like they are very exciting in that sense. But from uh, you know, looking at them and going, are they going to win? You go, well, you just can't win playing that style of hockey. And I think that bringing in Rick Tockett he is he already said it like there's going to be more accountability and and we're not going to overplay guys, you know, like a guy like JT Miller, who's playing for what he said, he's basically just pacing himself was the quote uh, because he's playing too much. And so I think that Rick Tockett is going to take a little bit more of an analytic approach to this to go, yeah, what are all of these different players ideal minutes and how can we roll four lines and like you said, that is that's going to have a big big part to do with what Jim Jim Rutherford and and Patrick Alveen do in terms of bringing in talent, because you can't roll four lines if two of your lines blow. So <laughs> they do need to do that as well. But I I think that they'll be a little bit more analytical in their approach and less emotional, which I think is is kind of the that's the reason why you love Bruce Boudreaux. It's also the reason you go yeah, but like. If it's not the right mix of guys, then the emotional like feel based coaching isn't going to work because you might have too many guys who, who need more structure to to really do well, because the internal uh, I'll say like the way that they manage each other isn't quite as uh, efficient there. Whereas like Bruce Boudreau, I mean, he can walk into a lot of teams and make them better because he can open it up and and all of a sudden is is more relational than the previous coach, which is great. But it kind of has this cap on it for how long it can last, and obviously it didn't last very long in Vancouver.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think with any head coach, I think there always needs to be a little bit of analyticalness there um, that I think a lot of coaches lack and why they often don't have success for long. Right? I mean, they come in and they usually have you know a quick. Uh, boost in, in production, a quick boost in wins, et cetera, whatever. Sure. And they, they quickly figure out or fizzle out because, you know, again, not being that analytical, like you said, managing minutes and knowing who, who thrives when you play them 16 minutes at the forward position versus 18 or 19, right? Um, those extra couple minutes might really uh, take their toll on a player analytically where, you know, for example, a big coach I look at is John Tortorella. He, to, to me, he's all about structure and discipline, and he's going to play – whoever is playing the way he wants you to play regardless of how analytically you might you know look on paper right so um you know to me that's a coach who just never seems to get over the hump uh you know outside of his his tenure in in you know tampa bay obviously but um you know he really hasn't been able to get to that next level with vancouver for example or you know those other teams or like washington
0: or, or yeah. yes the- so
1: yeah you you're know, talking. Again, you're I
0: talking think... about Boudreaux or Tortorella?
1: No, Tortorella. Oh, Tortorella.
0: Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, he did he win a Stanley Cup able... in Tampa. So. Right.
1: Well, that's what I mean outside of Tampa Bay, though. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he just hasn't been able to get to that next level again. I don't
0: know in Columbus. He he was unbelievable at squeezing every last little juice out of that those teams. And I
1: absolutely agree, and I think that only takes you so far. He only had one. He
0: to... only had one team that I would say was legitimate. Like, hey, they could win two or three rounds, and that was the team that had Duchesne and Panarin and, and Bobrovsky. Sure. Uh, but they, yeah, you're right. Well, they always ran into the Pittsburgh Penguins too.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, but yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think Boos Boudreau is uh, somebody who, you know, at least from from my point of view, doesn't have that analytical side to him that I think maybe, like you said, just only gets you so far. Right.
0: Yep, and I, I do believe Rick Tockett is going to come in here and, and make the Canucks a harder team to play against. And, you know, again, he's going to play guys the correct amount of minutes and really yeah, uh, I, really work that side of it. Um, yeah,
1: I, I will agree with you, and I will say, too, that I, I think a guy like JT Miller is in for a huge wake-up call here. So, um you know, with that huge contract, this might be the right coach for a guy like that who, you know, honestly, if this is a team that's looking to retool – on the fly, not necessarily go through a full rebuild. Um, and maybe this is the right coach they need for a guy like JT Miller, who at times to me just looks like he gives up on plays and just doesn't really isn't there in the game. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. His, I I actually really like the way that, that talk said it. He said he paces himself, which is, which is such a good description. And it's, and it's a, I guess a more or less a little more positive <laughs> way of looking at it. Like, yeah. I mean, if you're playing too much, and you go well. I can't go balls out right now. I got to play again in in a minute and a half. Then it, right. you know, it sort of makes sense. Um, okay. Well, with that said, we do know. I mean, we we've talked at length about the Canucks. Uh, we you know we we talked about players most likely to be traded, and now it is a all but a certainty that Bo Horvat is going to get dealt. Uh, along with you know, there's a couple other like Luke Shen is a, a UFA at the end of the year. He'll certainly fetch you know, something decent for what he is uh, to be that, that bottom-pairing guy. Uh, you also have Michael Furland, who is a UFA at year's end. And then someone interesting that no one's talked about is Andre Kuzmenko, who almost is a point-per-game player right now. And he is a UFA at the end of the year because of when he came over he is a fascinating UFA to me 950 thousand dollars I mean it's, it's nothing you can every team can take on his his contract and he is a definite top six forward like a no doubt can't miss top six forward I before we get into Bo Horvat have you seen heard anything or like does it interest you in in the Andre kozmenko potential sweepstakes here
1: yeah. I mean, I, I, the only thing that I've heard is that Vancouver has pitched an extension to him because um, from what I've, I've heard from Jim Rutherford, basically that they can only afford to keep Bo Horvat or Kuzmenko. Um, apparently they've made their best offer to Hor- Horvat as we we have discussed on the show. So really now they're coming to Kuzmenko with their offer. Right. And I mean, not necessarily think he's at the same caliber as a guy like Kirill Kaprizov, but you have to kind of look at that contract and, and think that you know he's probably looking over that way because here's a guy that comes over from Russia, plays one year, has a really good year, and cashes in big time, right? Going to so.
0: definitely score thirty goals, barring injury. I mean, he's at nineteen and forty-five already, so you got to think, you know, thirty goals is, is almost a certainty, and seventy to eighty points, which is a phenomenal yeah. rookie year. I mean, I know he's he's twenty-six years old. It's not like he's a he's an eighteen-year-old kid coming in here and, and cleaning up, but. Yeah, I mean, he certainly has has to have teams' interest, And it makes you wonder, you know, you're 26 years old. You have the option to, now, I guess in fairness, he did have the option to go anywhere he wanted uh, when he signed with the Canucks, right? So he signed in Vancouver for a reason. We have to consider that. I think, though, he was probably going, oh, well, this team's got a lot of potential. And if they get rid of Brock Besser... And you're looking at the future going, is this team really going to be like, are they going to be good within the next two years? I I don't know. I I don't know. It seems like we've come back with this team over and over. You're going to lose Brock Besser, too. I wonder if he just goes, you know, I can I can leave and go sign a big deal literally anywhere I want. I am going to like go ahead and trade me. And, and usually these are the guys who no one, like they don't talk to anybody because they can barely speak English. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it's that's a, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one, right? Cause if you, if you look at it from just a, a standings, right. Standpoint and you, you say, okay, cool. Well, Seattle's seemingly getting their act together now. And they've got two superstar centers in the making between, you know, Maddie Beniers and Shane, Wright So they could be set for a while. Uh, LA looks like they're reloaded for the future. And, Edmonton is, you know, Edmonton and Calgary is always, I mean, in my opinion, as long as Suter's there, they're going to still be in the mix. So, um, you know, is it a division maybe he wants to hang out and maybe he wants to go find another team where, you know, they're already the cream of the crop or they're already sitting at the top like a New Jersey or maybe, um, you know, a Carolina because I mean, look, for example, Carolina just lost patch for the year. So they could certainly use a goal scorer like this to come in and play in their top six. Um, every single night, so you know again I think there's there's going to be opportunities on other teams that are at the top of their division that aren 't struggling to figure out their identity and struggling to compete with teams that, in my opinion have already solidified their you know their spots at the top of the division so um to me it makes more sense that he 's going to resign or sign somewhere else versus resigning with Vancouver at this point
0: yeah how about sideline uh how rough is that patch already like that he's out for the year now.
1: Oh, five days back and he reaggravates his Re-injuries old
0: injuries. To- Achilles, my goodness, uh, it just sucks. Sucks yeah. for him because he, like he's a he's a great player to watch. He's a, he's a good goal scorer. Um, I will say, I mean, Carolina's done what they've done without him, so in some respects, it's not as if they're desperate for him. Um, now you're not you're never going to turn down a guy who you know can get you thirty goals in a blink, but. Uh, it does open up some interesting cap space for Carolina and you know, Carolina is not about to go trading for any of these guys who are UFAs at the end of the year. Like I can guarantee you, Carolina is not trading for Kuzmenko because they are very stingy with their resources. And you know, that Kuzmenko is like, if Kuzmenko leaves Vancouver, he's probably going to go for the, the biggest deal that he can get is my guess. As oh,
1: I'm, I have no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, and I don't think like Carolina's not giving anybody more than what Aho got, and I mean they're especially not giving a guy who's done it once in the NHL. They just they just don't have that vibe to them, you know, where they're just going to pay for the next big shiny toy. They are very analytical in exactly how much money they'll give a player, and uh, that is probably why oftentimes. UFAs don't go to Carolina uh, because of their their stinginess, but hey, they're they're good. Uh, but yeah, New Jersey, man, Kuzmenko fitting up there with like playing with Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer, Uh adding that little. I mean, they they have a nice offense, uh, but just adding that extra speed and those hands up there, uh, I, I can't see a team not being interested in Kuzmenko. Uh, outside of Car- Carolina, would be the one team in the East that I go. Mm, they usually don't take rentals, but what a pull that it would be for like a a Pittsburgh or a Washington, with, with, where you've got Ovechkin to uh, maybe lure Kazmenko over. You know they've got a lot of Russians on their team, and that certainly has been a pull in the past.
1: Yeah, Florida. Speaking of Russians, there's another team, Florida. I think that could potentially make a move. They need a lot of help right now, and um, you know Bark off there. Uh, I think you know there's that Russian connection in the south, and uh, you know those Russians seem to like South Beach for whatever reason. So, I, I, it wouldn't shock me if that's another team that you could, you could really, you know, count as a, a potential landing spot for Kuzmenko.
0: Okay, uh, okay, let's let's go to Bohorvat because we, uh, I know we we have talked about Bohorvat Bo a little bit already, but I think we've got our. You picked a couple landing spots you think he's going to go to. I picked a couple as well, and we're going to dive into a couple potential real trades that will work. Uh, do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the Red
1: Wings here? Why not? Okay, my, my fave. And yeah. this
0: is a this is a, like a confirmed rumor of you know, hey, Iserman's kicked the tires here on bringing in Beau Horvat. and from what I hear, is only if they can't re-sign Larkin for whatever reason, I mean, when you consider that Dylan Larkin has been on the Red Wings for his entire career, and it's pretty obvious to me what he would sign for. uh, It seems as though there is a a little bit of a stalemate because nothing has nothing's really been said. We're kind of just sitting here waiting and it seems like they're, they're not, not making any progress, which is probably why you're starting to hear stuff about Horvat because they're trying to put pressure on Larkin.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why not? Right. And that's, you know what, I'm let's, let's look at Steve Eiserman's last big, you know, free agent center signing, uh, you know, it's Steven Stamkos. And, um, you know, you look at what happened with that situation. He literally went down to, you know, free agency and then re-signed. So, um, you know, again, I won't count the Red Wings out as long as Steve Eiserman's the GM. And, uh, listen, I mean, Larkin is a homegrown guy. He grew up here in, in Michigan. And so he knows, um, I'm sure he values wearing the C on that, in that Red Wing sweater a lot more than maybe some other guys might. And so. I, I mean, I, ultimately, I think a deal will get done. But I still don't think that, you know, puts the kibosh on as far as, you know, looking at a potential Bo Horvat trade. Because if you're Detroit, I, you know, I've been saying that the one thing they've been missing is a one-two punch at center. And so if you can get a Bo Horvat to come in at center that second line, obviously Andrew Kopp has been okay. Uh, hasn't been great, but he's, he's been okay. I mean, he's been doing great on the penalty kill. He's just maybe lacked a little bit offensively um, as far as those numbers are concerned. But I I do think, you know, with cop being able to shift over to the wing very easily, if you brought in a guy like Bo Horvat, he could fit in nicely on that second line and you could, you know, move cop, uh, you know, maybe on that second line or push him down to the third line at times and give him opportunities to succeed a little bit more. So, um, and especially with Tyler Bertuzzi being a question mark. And I, you know, who knows if the Wings are even going to re-sign him or just let him walk at this point. So, you know, Boar Horvat could fit in nicely and add that little bit of grit that I think uh, Bertuzzi would typically add.
0: And what do you think it'll take to get him?
1: So, realistically, I mean, again, I think the Red Wings are only interested in Horvat if they can re-sign him. Um, so, to me, it's it's got to be a sign-and-trade, which typically well, can be... You well, know, apparently,
0: they're not giving permission to teams to, uh, to talk contracts
1: with him. No, no, not at all. Because typically what happens is, um, you know, and I I can't remember what, you know, TSN insider I heard it from, but usually what happens when you give teams permission um, to talk to their agents or talk to the player ahead of a trade, you're almost giving more leverage to the player versus the actual team. And I think in this case, Vancouver wants to keep all the leverage because they know they've got to get the maximum out of this deal. Right. So. Um, to me, I think the one big piece and starting point, regardless if you're going to do a sign and trade or just trade for him as a, um, you know, a rental player, I think Vancouver's looking at uh, a big piece on D right now. Um, I think they've got enough up front uh, to work with, and they can go and retool and and get other pieces in here through free agency. But I think the tough part is always finding good pieces on the back end. And um, listen, you, you've alluded to, or you know, we've talked about before how you know, OEL and Tyler Myers just haven't really been the answer for them. And they're obviously going to trade uh, probably their second best defenseman and Luke Shin right now. So um, that's going to leave a big hole. And so for me, I think a, a starting point for Detroit uh, would be Philip Aaronic. I think, you know, with, with the emergence of, um, you know, Edvinson on the back end um, coming up, I think they've got another, you know, realistic number three defenseman in in the making and uh, they've got some other decent, you know, defensive prospects down there that I think they've got enough where they can afford to part ways with a guy like Horonic, who, you know, is going to be doing extension next year anyways, and is going to get a raise from $4.4 million. So, um, so for a guy who is, you know, going to be an RFA and is coming in at 4.4, Vancouver can obviously afford him. So I think that's a starting point for Vancouver. And then I think on top of that, they're probably going to want another roster player because again, they've, they've said it, they're not looking to rebuild. So I think, you know, draft picks and prospects are really the second, the secondary pieces for, for this kind of a deal. And so um, I think you're going to look at a guy like Joseph Alaino who can add in, um, uh, you know, at the center position on maybe your third or fourth line. Uh, he's, he's serviced Detroit well on the fourth line and in slots up in the third. He's, he's a good penalty killer, a good faceoff guy. So, um, you know, he could chip in a little, you know, offense here and there. And at 23, he can still develop. So I think with Hironic, valeno and then you you obviously probably have to throw in a first round pick here to get it done at a sign and trade yep um i think that could realistically get it done for detroit
0: yeah do you think maybe they would take your 2024
1: <laughs> yeah i, I do I, I really do and i think detroit knowing um you know i think there will be conditions into that especially detroit knowing that they're not going to be competing for a playoff spot that they're likely going to be in the lottery i think they're obviously going to probably say, hey, if we make the playoffs, then, yeah, you can take the 2023. But if we miss, um, you know, we're, we're shifting that to a 2024 yeah. or top 10 protect or something like yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, okay, all fair. Uh, why would the Wings trade Valeno and Roenick and a first when they know in the offseason they could just go and sign Bo Horvat at free sure, charge? Yeah.
1: And I think that's why I mentioned the sign and trade part of it, because if you're not super confident that you can get uh, Dylan Larkin signed, I don't think you want to go into next offseason, lose Larkin, miss out on Haronik or not Hronik, I'm sorry, Horvat, and potentially be stuck in this this middling ground now where now you have to decide, do we have to go through a whole entire another rebuild now because we just lost our number one center and potentially Tyler Bertuzzi, another top six forward is going. Um, and re- I mean, realistically, right, so Detroit, looking at the center position, they've got Marco Casper that they drafted this past season, and I-, I think he's a quality centerman, but is he realistically going to be a top-six center? I don't oh, know yet. I think and, so. I
0: mean, at six overall, you gotta you got to well, hope I think your so guy's going to be a number – oh, sorry, a- eighth overall. you got to yeah, be uh, confident that a guy's going to be a, a top-six forward right there.
1: Yeah, that's the expectation, but to me, he's not a, a Matty Beneers – or, um, you know, a Nick Suzuki who can come in, I think right away, I think it's still going to take another two or three years for this kid to develop. Um, and so, you know, again, not knowing that and wanting to basically not take a step backwards, if you're making a move for a guy like Corvette, you're getting rid of those big pieces like Horonic and Beleno, knowing that you're doing a sign and trade and you're going to keep Horvat around long-term because, um, you know, if Larkin does leave for any reason, when you bring in Horvat, you're not necessarily taking a step backwards. You're still basically in my mind, those are comparable pieces.
0: You know, you got to wonder, does a, a trade for Bo Horvat actually embolden Larkin to resign? You yeah. Know, I like, mean,
1: why wouldn't it? Right. Because you get another piece that's taking another step forward in the rebuild. Right. And you're saying, you know, we're for real, we're committed to this team. Um, and not only that too. I think it's you know another reason Detroit would do a sign and trade is because you also want to bring in Horvat's cap hit and say, you know what, Larkin, here's what he's being paid. You know, we'll give you just a little bit more than this guy because yep. we think you're comparable players.
0: Yep. Although this season, man, Horvat's scoring goals like like mad. So I I right. do I do wonder what will happen now that uh, now that Gabby's left and you've got a new head coach in there who's obviously going to have a little bit more devotion to defense. I do wonder uh, if his numbers slip
1: because of that. Yeah, we'll see. And then that might, you know, that's exactly why I think you're going to see a Horvat trade happen sooner rather than later, because if he goes the next 30 games and only puts up 15, 18 points, because Again, commitment to defense. Right. Teams aren't really going to dish out a first-round pick for someone like you're, that.
0: You're going to have, a, well, I mean, teams will dish out a first, but I think you're definitely, you might have teams go. I mean, look at he's now that now that you guys are playing quote unquote the right way. Now look, he's he's more or less a second-line center.
1: Right. Exactly. So
0: so now all we're going to give you is a first. But yeah. Um, okay. So. I do think there there is certainly a possibility of of uh, Horvat going to the Red Wings. I like the move. I think that it it makes sense. The uh, team that I just I feel like maybe the most the best fit because of the now and the future is the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. Boston Bruins are. I mean, you of course have Patrice Bergeron and Bo Horvat. Doesn't touch Bergeron's defensive abilities, uh, but it would be a great for Patrice Bergeron to have another center who can really take a, a big load, take a lot of minutes. Uh, I know that they also have David Krejci, but it, you know, c- going down the stretch too, there's something to be said about being able to go. You know what, Krejci, you can take this night off, Bergeron, you can take this night off. Like there, there's some benefits to it, but also you got to be thinking long term you know, Bergeron and Krejci are not going to be here forever. And if you toss in Horvat to this mix, well, he is a slight step back from the ultimate Patrice Bergeron of maybe like three years ago. I'd say that they're at least comparable now. And probably Horvat is, uh, is at least the better point producer than Bergeron is at this, at this point in his career. Um, Bergeron putting up 37 points in 46 games right now. He's he's kind of just kind of he's dipped below that point per game kind of player that he was three or four years ago. Uh, so, you you know, you add in that extra offense. Suddenly you look at those, those three centers and you see a team that absolutely could win the Stanley Cup. And to me that is like Boston's going to go all in. They'll happily trade their first round pick. And as far as what else would be included – I wonder if, you know, how many picks it would take to, uh, to grab Horvat Cause I, I don't know that the Bruins are going to want to give away too much in terms of their, their, uh, full roster. I mean, there, there maybe was a chance that last year that they would have, uh, they would have dealt some of their roster players, i.e. Jake DeBrusque. But right now, Jake DeBrusque is on LTIR and you're, you know, he actually's having a really great season, but that could be that could be a player that they, they throw in there. And I, I don't know if he still wants a trade, but it would certainly be, you know, I know that his dad's out in Calgary, so there's there's all that like that side of it where, you know, Debrusque would be a I would take Horvat over Debrusk. <laughs> we'll say that. But <laughs> Um, a good piece to throw in for a team that is actually looking to continue to compete. That that's probably the hard hardest thing about Horvat is that you actually have to trade roster players uh, for what Vancouver wants, which that's going to be difficult for a team that is poised to win the Presidents Trophy. Like that team isn't dying to give away a roster player. Like they're not going to be jumping at trading Charlie Coyle for Bo, Bo Horvat. You know, uh, and Charlie Coyle has all the new no move clause and stuff too. But uh, that I guess that is the would be the toughest part about it for the Bruins is that they could load on the draft picks, uh, but it would be more difficult to grab an actual roster player from this team. So that might give the edge to Detroit. But I, I just think you Boston probably would be a team that. Would look at this and see a huge opportunity to win the cup.
1: Yeah. I mean, assuming Detroit, right, resigns Larkin, I think long term wise, Boston would be a, a more ideal spot um, as far as a team that I think is more desperate for a center long term than a team like Detroit, right? So um, obviously, assuming Larkin resigns, they've got their number one center for the next, you know, eight years, and Boston does not. Right. And I don't I don't really even see anybody sure. in the prospect pool that I think is coming up in the near future. So, um, you know, hey, maybe Boston misses out on Bo Horvat and goes and signs Ryan O'Reilly this offseason and just kind of, you know, tries to bandaid it for the next few seasons. But, you know, to me, I think, you know, again, I've looked at Bo Horvat and, you know, looking at who he's played with on his wing, he's mostly had Brock Besser, Connor Garland, um, guys that are okay wingers, um, you know, they're top six guys for sure. But, um, well, maybe not Connor Garland. Maybe he's a middle six guy. But, um, you know, can you imagine Bo Horvat? Maybe you think his numbers might, imp- you know, go up even further if he gets to play with Pasta or Taylor Hall. I mean, those sure. are two quality setup men uh, and guys that know how to score goals. So uh, that might be a boost for his career. Almost um, seems he more, goes there.
0: more realistic that they would sign him in the off season. Um, yes, I would for agree. those for that reason. But I, I mean, it'll depend on what what teams are willing to give up. Uh, I think it'll probably depend on uh, the next team that you have on what they're willing to give up.
1: Whew, that's that's a good question, right? Um, you know, so for me, an, my other realistic fit outside of Detroit is is the Colorado Avalanche, and I know we've been watching them slowly claw their way, um, you know, back up in the standings a little bit here. They're they're quietly sitting. Uh, at 53 points, so they're they're fighting for a playoff spot. They've won five in a row, so I think um, you know this could be maybe that little extra push they need. And uh, to get a guy to come in and, and play that second line center spot would be ideal. I mean, JT Comfers, uh looked all right as of late, but you know, can he sustain this kind of success long term and all season for this team? I don't know. I think he's better suited, probably slotted in on the wing or at that third line center spot. So. Um, you know, to me, I think for an easy starting point and mostly pretty much a starting point, I think for almost any team that Vancouver is going to deal with is looking on defense. Um, you know, to me, I think, you know, Colorado's blessed with a lot of players on defense that they can move. Um, not necessarily guys that they want to move, but they have the availability. Uh, you know, they have a lot of top quality players, you know, between Bo and Byram, who I think is off limits, obviously. Um, unfortunately Josh Manson has a no, trade clause so he gets to put a 12 team list in um beginning in 2024 so maybe this is the time to move him but i don't think um you know vancouver is going to be too interested in him but uh to me an ideal player to really send back the other way would be samuel gerrard um i think this is a guy who can play on both the left and right side i think vancouver would be eyeballing him um very, very hard. If, if Colorado came a calling and said, Hey, we're interested, this would be the guy that I would start with. Right. I would start with Samuel Gerrard and say, this is who I want coming back. And then really, I think maybe you look at, um, you know, another prospect, for example, I think you could look at Shane Bowers, um, you know, a, a lower level player, a guy who, you know, could eventually turn into something maybe in the next year or two. I think, yeah, you take a the,
0: flyer on somebody kind of vibe, right? Like,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's been all right in the AHL, the last few seasons and maybe he might turn out to be a a good fourth or third line center for you. But, um, you know, I think Samuel Gerrard is a starting point. And then of course um, you know, I I do think you got to throw in another pick there um, just to entice uh, you know, Vancouver. And so, uh, because again, they don't have, you know, again, outside of a couple players on defense, when you talk about Samuel Gerrard or Devin Tays, I don't think there are a lot of other options at the forward position that you're willing to part with right now. Um, just because of, one, you know, guys like Valerie Nachushkin and McKinnon obviously aren't going anywhere, and same with Beagle Ratman. So, um, really, it, it comes down to guys that, you know, have some term, too, because uh, their only other forwards that they might want to deal don't really have much term on them. So, uh, yeah, I Matt
0: mean, Garrard, <laughs> man, as tough as it would be to give up Samuel Garrard, and it would be tough to trade him. The fact that Bowen Byram has been going so well uh, – he looked. You know, he's still 21 years old. He's going to get better. But I know you're thinking you want to try and repeat um, here, and then and that and that would be the tough thing to trade Garrard. But and they've just struggled to to really find that second center position. And uh,
1: man, yeah, and Samuel maybe you Garrard, make a Move. You just. I mean, maybe you make a move though if you're if you're Colorado where you send your first round over, but maybe you send a third. Or maybe even a second-round pick, you know, down the road. I mean, I know Colorado doesn't have a lot of, you know, draft capital as far as picks are concerned. But maybe you try to make a play where you can get Luke Shen back coming the other way, so you do kind of replace uh, ah. that emptiness that Samuel Gerard going to be. Fascinating. You know,
0: I actually really like this deal. If you go Horvat and Shen, and you go Samuel Gerrard, Shane Bowers, and. I mean, you're definitely going to first, and then maybe you're talking like a, a third round pick in 2025. Right. I, I mean, it would be tough for Vancouver. You get a guy who's got four years left on his deal at yeah. $5 million bucks, And Colorado has to re sign Bowen Byram at the end of the year. So that's, I mean, not that Byram's going to, Bowen Byram's not going to get paid. A beast of an amount, you know, probably a two million dollar deal, two and a half, maybe in there. Um, but I, and you're still gonna have to pay him, and you, you then that actually leaves you room for maybe bringing in a veteran until he, you know, Byron fully matures. Oh, I really like that deal. That's that's uh, I'll give it to you. That's, that's one of the best ones you've ever come up with, I think. Oh, so well thought shucks. out. Damn. Oh, I wish I thought about things that well. By the way, who, do you remember... Uh, here's a piece of trivia for you. Who was the last captain to get dealt at the trade deadline?
1: The last captain?
0: Last captain to get oh. dealt at the trade deadline.
1: That is a good question. Or I, believe,
0: I believe he would be also just the last captain to get traded. Other than... I'm not going to count Shea Weber. Because he was injured and like he wasn't coming back. So I'm we're we're not going to count that. Uh, We'll, we'll go ahead and say he wasn't really the captain anymore when, when he was traded because you know, we all knew that he was, he was going to be injured, but who is like, he's the captain one day and the next day he's on a different team because he was traded.
1: Oh man.
0: Uh, I'll I'll give you some time. I'll give you some time to, uh, to consider it and to, you know, think through the teams. Uh, yeah. And, and I'll, uh, are, are we good on Colorado? Do we like that move? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm I love, taking that move, that move all day. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I might try to, s- I might try to squeeze you on something else, but I, I like <laughs> that move. Uh, the other team that I think could come out of nowhere and often does come out of nowhere at the trade deadline to uh, make a big splash is the New York Rangers. Uh, oh, I, I know that they signed Vince Trocheck to a big deal, uh, and they, they of course have Mika zabinajad who probably for my money is the most underrated number one center in the NHL uh I mean the guy's 22 goals in 47 games I mean he's on pace for another 40 goal season like he had in 1920 and he did that in 57 games though but uh abinajad's buzzing along and and I know they have Philip Heedle who can play the wing as well Trocheck can play the wing as well and that is why I'm considering bringing in. Horvat because I think they have the the roster capital to be able to bring him in. I don't know which one you trade but I wonder can you go we'll give you Capo Caco or we'll give you Alex Lafreniere. Straight up nothing else take the like go balls out and, and make that move. And if you're Vancouver, would you be willing to trade Horvat straight up for Lafreniere?
1: Oh, for Lafreniere? Getting yeah, up. absolutely. If if it's if it's Capococco, I need more for sure. Um, I need a second at least to go with that. But Lafreniere, I'd be willing to take a flyer uh, piece for piece. I think. Uh, Scored but, uh, 21, you know I,
0: 21 points so Throw me far. another prospect.
1: Throw me a prospect. No, with Lafreniere. no, nope. we
0: I, I gotta we'll get something. will send you else. Lafreniere, and and that's it for Bo Horvat.
1: Oh boy,
0: are you going to get a? Uh, I'll say, are you going to get more potential from any other deal? Just you know, hey, there's. Yes, I know that some other teams can go, well, we'll give you this guy who's like a a third line player and we'll give you this. You know, you can get a lot of depth. Certainly you could acquire depth if that was your goal is just to acquire depth. But here you are, you go, you could potentially have a first line player. Now, there is a lot of risk in this for the Rangers, too, because they lose out if, I mean, a Horvat doesn't sign with them or Lafreniere goes and becomes a superstar. Right. Which is why they won't make this trade in real life. Sure. Uh, Because they'd be too afraid of that. And they and I mean, he's only a third year player. There's certainly a little bit more time here to to give to him. But uh, yeah, I I think that that's it's a trade that would be hard not to consider on both sides, because if you look at the Ranger, I mean, to go, hey, look, yeah, Lafreniere could turn into a really good player, but you could win the Stanley Cup this year you've got the pieces and if you add Horvat to this mix, you have a beautiful mix of veterans up front who could win the Stanley Cup. And maybe Horvat comes back and signs here, maybe he doesn't. But you you maybe take your gamble here.
1: So let me ask you if you're the Rangers, do you take your shot at Horvat early not knowing what's happening with Patrick Kane or do you wait and see what's happening with that situation now? Oh, and to answer your question earlier, uh, I'm going to say Claude Giroux was the last captain to be traded. So,
0: yes, I guess he would. Yes, he would have been last captain to be traded. I forgot about Drew. Dang it, <laughs> you beat me on my own trivia question. Uh, I was going to okay, say well, Nick Fellino.
1: Okay, nice. I like that oh, one. Too. Also,
0: a captain who was the, I Okay, so other than yes. yeah, all right, yep, you got me. It was it is Claude Giroux because that was last year. So, and Nick Foligno was the year before.
1: Yeah, I almost uh, forgot about it. I was trying to go back purposefully in my mind and then I'm like no I think someone big got traded last year and it yes. just hit me so Dang it. Um, oh man <laughs> but anyway so yeah back to my my question I guess are you, are you anticipating Kane coming to New York or do you if you're the Rangers not sit around and wait and try to pull a, the trigger now per se on a guy like Corvette before another team because I, again I do think he's not going to be around that long as far as you know being a Canuck is concerned I do think teams are going to try to pull the sure. trigger quickly on a guy like this
0: I want Horvat more than I want Patrick Kane. Okay. I'm willing to say it. I I don't like this injury that Kane has. It would scare the living hell out of me. I don't think I'd make the move for him. But Horvat, I know he's healthy. I know he's going to produce and I know he's going to be a great playoff producer. Like he plays that game uh very well. So I I'd be taking Horvat. But uh, no. <laughs> If if it doesn't happen and you lose out on Horvat, is Patrick Kane a is he a horrible second option? No, but I would be very scared to bring him in because of that injury. I, there's no way I'd give up give a, uh, a Lafreniere. You know, I would give up a first round pick for Kane, but that's probably it. Maybe a first and a third kind of vibe. It's just too too risky to give up a player who you know has that kind of potential.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Rangers, um, I, I will say the Rangers have always had a little little issue with their five-on-five five play, and I think Horvat would, would go much, much further in the way of solving that than a guy like Patty Kane would, for sure. Um, That's a great point. But, That's a great point. Man, um, whew, I, I mean, the question is, I mean, obviously, I think regardless if, if you're Vancouver, I think the starting point is Capocaco or Alex Lafreniere or... And so, you know, who who are you willing to give up? And are you willing to give up either one of those guys? And um, you know, again, for a potential rental, right? A guy who could just you know split next season. I mean, I know the Rangers, you know, will have 16 million cap space next year, but um, you know, you got to go out, you got to find a backup goaltender, you got to give Kondr, Kondr Miller a little bit of a raise, um, so he'll need a couple extra million bucks. Sammy Blaze Lafreniere is going to need a little bit of a raise. So Phil Piedel needs a raise too. And so, you know, they might not have, you know, I doubt they'll have the money to really give Horvat the numbers he's looking right. for. So, you, you know, right. as, as a Rangers fan, he's a rental, pure a and simple.
0: Yep. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I like the addition to, uh, to this team, but I, I still got to give it to you. That Colorado deal would just be, be fire. Um, okay. Anything, uh, anything else we want to want to touch on before we ditch out of here? I think well, I hear I, my daughter smacking at the door. <laughs> I don't know if you I can do yeah I love it yeah. though
1: yeah, um, yeah. I, I do want to ask you though, because we have seen a head coach uh, terminated this week, and uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on who you think potentially the next head coach to go is going to be.
0: yeah my my thoughts have been on DJ Smith, yeah, uh, but I don't think that that's going to be a midseason firing if it happens at all. Uh, they may be willing to give him one more year. So, uh, but this was kind of supposed to be that senator's year, uh, and things have just gone really weird there really weird year. um as far as somebody who could get fired right now, jeez, uh I'm gonna uh, this is this is a little weird. I'm gonna go ahead and say that no head coach is gonna get fired for the rest of the year. Wow. Which is which is very un NHL like, um, but I think the reason a huge reason why may be that these teams don't want to pay two coaches.
1: Yeah, I I mean I agree with you. I think that you know one you know you don't want to end up like Vancouver and you're paying three different head coaches uh, this year. But uh, part of me thinks I look at the teams at the bottom right, Out, Ottawa, Anaheim teams that potentially could have a head coach that gets terminated at some point. I think right now maybe they're looking at it and they're saying you know what. Let's keep tanking a little bit because we got Connor Bedard and we got a really, really good draft class coming up. That's yeah. really, um, really top heavy with some really good talent up there. So, um, you know, plus if you... like
0: Anaheim, Anaheim's been better, right? Like, sure. Through their first what 20, 30 games, they had one regulation win, and now they have five. <laughs> so they're 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 playing better. They're not good, of course, by any means, but they're playing a little bit better. Chicago's tanking on purpose. Yeah, all these teams are tanking on purpose. So it's not as if this is what you you probably have gone to your coach and go, I mean, make this as interesting as possible. But we know we're not giving you the horses. Uh, The only other guy that I could see, I don't know that the, the Blues would be ready to part with Craig Berube yet.
1: I was thinking that name, too, honestly.
0: But that's that's um, the one team that has really not met expectations this year. So that would be – maybe that's the one team that I would point to. But I, to, to me, it just doesn't make any sense because this is his first year that they've struggled uh, and not made the playoffs. Sure. So I, I feel but like – But I
1: will say the one reason why I, I do think he could get can though, is potentially because you're you're only sitting four points – well, I sorry, six points out of a wild card spot right now, and when you're going to lose potentially Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly at the end of the year, I think right now you kind of have to go all in if you're if you're thinking playoffs. And so, um, you know, maybe making a change now kind of you know lights that fire, and um, you know maybe you give it a, a couple more weeks or whatever and see how yeah, things. Yeah, bring turn in Mike around,
0: Babcock. But... <laughs> bring in Babs Babcock, okay. or uh, who else could you bring in on uh, just a short term? Bring in Bruce Boudreau.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, bring him in but and be I like, have boys, have you guys are just going to go but...
0: wild. <laughs> oh, no. Well, Vancouver would do it because Boudreaux would, uh, his contract would be nullified.
1: That's very true, actually. Vancouver yeah. would
0: do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, that's, I see, I just don't see St. Louis doing it because I think it almost would be unfair. Like, I mean, hey, you he, he almost won in the first round last year against the Stanley Cup champions. And, and then, yeah, you have a down year mostly because your captain is playing like absolute garbage and that's not really on him. Uh, and he's been hurt and Bennington's been terrible. And uh, I just think that, you know, maybe this team needs a a little bit of a refresh, but I don't know if that comes from the head coach position quite yet because he's not that far removed from winning a Stanley cup. Uh, I guess, what was it? 2019 that they won the cup. Yeah, twenty. Yeah,
1: not too far removed. So it was
0: the last non-COVID year. So yeah. Um, other than that, I really I don't see any coach that would get fired. So, okay. All right. Well, there's our show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Feel free to uh, subscribe to the show. We love that, and uh, let us know what you think. Uh on uh, yeah, Justin, I don't know what else to say but I hope you have a great rest of your night and all oh, crap. You have to tell us about the raccoon. I almost forgot.
1: Oh boy. You have yeah, to tell okay, us the raccoon I'll make, story. I'll make, I'll make it quick. Yeah. So, uh, Saturday night, the wife and I are working on the house. Um, I'm under the, in the crawl space, uh, installing new pex lines for our waters. And, um, boy, out of nowhere, she just starts like screaming and, uh, just mumbling words. And finally I get it out of her. There's a raccoon that had basically like fallen its feet had gone through our ceiling, basically. Um, and for those who don't know, we're, we're under construction. We don't have drywall on half of our ceiling. So um, she sees this big fluffy tail and raccoon feet, and she just starts losing it. And uh, over the next couple of days, we're, we're setting a trap, and uh, we managed to catch ourselves yesterday. We, we caught ourselves a raccoon that had wandered into the trap and taken the bait, and yes. we basically yeah set it free. So uh that that was a lot of fun. I like uh, that it,
0: between the two of us we've caught 11 squirrels and a raccoon <laughs> in the last month.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and my favorite part was uh because this thing was in the attic and the the attic access uh wasn't that large for this this big raccoon ca- or trap. I don't know if if anybody listening out there has, has dealt with one of these things but they're they're rather wide, they're a couple feet wide and um so they're they're difficult to get in and out without him basically like you know moving around a lot and then causing me to lose my balance and fall and all that crap so basically what i did is i i got a carabiner and tied some rope to it hitched it onto the handle of the the raccoon cage and kind of lowered him down through the rafters in the <laughs> ceiling and uh, nice <laughs> so, yeah it was, so
0: it was so you was like fun. mission impossible your raccoon down
1: yeah pretty much that's wonderful
0: <laughs> well there's the raccoon story and uh we will uh we'll catch you guys very soon talk to you later